Hello and welcome. This is the Talk Derby to Me podcast. I'm Blake Fallows. Bit of a different one today from the last few that you might have heard. Um, the last few have been ex-Derby County players, cricketers, people like that, mainly sportsmen really, people that I can reach out to, that's my circle. But today, luckily enough, we've got two great guests and they've come on for a really, really good reason actually. Uh, Michael Soccer, who you may have seen in This Is England, Being Human, uh, the film Shank is brilliant in that. He's a little over lad. Um, he's come on alongside Kevin Paul from Swaddling Coat, who's the uh, celebrity tattooist. They've together written a bit of a TV programme. They're looking at putting a production company together to help working class boys and girls who haven't really got a lot, mixed in with the wrong crowd, that kind of thing. Give them a purpose, give them something to, to go at. So it's a really, really interesting chat with two really interesting people who have come from where the kids that they're, they're trying to help have come from. So it's a really, really interesting chat. Uh, just before we get going with Michael and Kev, I want to say thank you, as ever, to SMJ Brady, Connect Red and Elite Football Development. Three Derby companies that are helping me, the same as Michael and Kev are helping the community. They keep this podcast going by helping me and supporting me every week. So big up to them. Let's get going. This is a real coup, two great voices, a really good podcast, we had a right laugh. This was recorded before lockdown restrictions came into place, but here's Michael Soccer and Kevin Paul. Alright, Kevin Paul, Michael Soccer, talk Derby to me, it's your, your second appearance Kevin, isn't it? I think you was one of the first, I think the third or fourth one we did about a year ago now, so welcome back, first of all. Yeah, thanks a lot. Yeah, I think the first time was about knife crime, wasn't it, when yeah. I was working in the prisons and stuff, so. Yeah. Good yeah. to be back. Yeah, it's quite cool. I, li- I like promoting positivity. Can you tell us a little bit about the, the new projects that you're up to now with, with Michael that you've come to, to talk to us about today? Um, well, basically, I kind of wrote something about three years ago um, off the back of the autobiography I did. Because um, the, the autobiography that I kind of brought out was kind of focusing more on the glamorous side of what I've achieved. Uh, but it had a little bit of like the, the bad past that they've been brought up in council housing, like no education, all that kind of stuff. And when the book came out, I found that more people wanted to know about that than they did the, the glamorous stuff because they didn't relate to that. They seemed to relate to the other stuff. Um, so I started to write a kind of uh, comical version of my youth in the 90s um, about growing up with nothing, like meeting girls, losing your virginity, and then getting involved with crime and drugs and all that kind of stuff. And it kind of put it all together. It come up really well. Everyone seemed to love it. Everybody read it, loved it, and thought it was really funny. Um, and then it nearly got made a couple of times and then didn't. Um, and it's just kind of been put on the shelf for the last few years because I've been busy with other projects and the life coaching in the prisons and stuff like that. Um, and it's kind of weird that it kind of turned out that a mutual person uh, got in touch with me who knew Michael. Um, they said that he was interested in writing something as well. And I said, well, I wrote something. If you want to look at it, you can. He then looked at it. Um, we then met got on really well and then it just kind of escalated in the space of a week it went from him just reading it to us sitting down and totally rewriting it together and it's kind of escalated I mean this was six weeks ago probably and it's already drastically changed into something amazing do you know what I mean it's like really well put together um that's kind of led on to us talking about his past my past and we were were very similar we both had really bad starts and didn't really have much going for us but we've still exceeded that and done well um but there's a lot of kids out there that don't so we just kind of got talking that we both wanted to do something for them and to help them that's that's what we're doing now 
and you came through Michael like the, the television workshop like a few of us that we spoke to on the podcast and yeah. and obviously this is England and those two projects gave um, a lot of young people um, a good start in life didn't they so is this kind of something similar to that that you're, you're aiming for yeah well I mean I started I started doing musicals in Derby I was at the Chelston youth players and I did Derby Playhouse youth as well and I always felt a little bit like an outsider I didn't really feel like I belonged but I thoroughly enjoyed the the uh, the work I suppose I just enjoyed acting and then I did and then I did the workshop which was a, a completely different kettle of fish it was a bunch of I suppose like-minded uh, kids that, from quite a similar black background to myself and that that was the first time I really realized that you don't have to be um, a privileged middle-class um, kid I suppose to, to make it in the industry and I started getting work from it and and because of the workshop really I, I, I started uh, I started a career so yeah, what, I, what what both me and Kevin thought is is if we could just sort of set something up in Derby what, that people can come to. I mean, adults and and kids where they can just do a bit of acting, a bit of impro, and 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 just sort of get stuff off the chest and just have a bit of fun. I think it would just be really beneficial. I just I just want to give back a little bit actually at this point. Do you know the 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 working class aspect and the, the rawness of of not being like a like you say like a middle class actor that's been through like the traditional drama school? Do you think that gives you an edge and and the roles you get is that is that something different inside you? I think at the workshop that was I think it was key. I think a lot of I was I started going to the workshop at a time when uh, when directors were coming down and they were wanting non actors and films were being cast with non actors. Um, but the thing with the workshop is that that was the the kids there were were. We were taught to impro, and we were taught to just like, make it up as we go along a lot of the time. The things that were always being brought up in impro were some things that were relevant to them at the time, which was drugs, sex, violence, all that sort of stuff. And, and for a, a, a director looking for looking to cast that sort of ilk, I think it was uh, that was the place to go to and get these the right kids for the job. I suppose, I, yeah, I suppose it did it, it did give a lot of kids the edge needed to to portray that re- realistic sort yeah. of behaviour. For you, Kev, obviously we chatted briefly before when we spoke about knife crime and and um, yourself when you was a youngster. How do you how did you bring yourself out of that to to go and be as successful as you are? Um, I think the thing is, what I did, I didn't really intend on doing it. It was just every, everything just kind of happened. Um, I mean, I, I've always had art, like so. Even when I was at school, when I got, I mean, everyone got kicked out of school with tattooing people in school. It was just like I've everyone around me was always saying, "You need to stop." wasting time drawing stop doing this stop doing this you need to do proper things it was just like i'm not wired to do proper things i'm I'm just not the way i am um i'm a very artistic person and that wasn't ever seen in in poor life and that kind of situation it's not seen as being a a a way of making money it's not seen as as a possible thing um but i've always had that belief in me that that's what i wanted to be and that's i had that vision in my head um and that's pretty much what took me out of that negative life, I think. It was, when I started to tattoo, it wasn't a big thing. It wasn't a great career. It wasn't on TV. It was none of that. I did it because I loved creating things. And to do it on someone's skin is an amazing place to do that. Um, I think over the years, as I kind of broke through new ground and then started working with celebrities and then went into billionaires and people like that, it opened a lot of doors to me. And it made me see that it doesn't matter where you've come from. It's what you're willing to do. By the time I got to that point... My mindset was so focused on I could do anything I want. I could achieve. I mean, I'm in the V&A museum. Um, when it's, I was at school, they said I'd never amount to anything drawing pictures. I'm in the biggest museum in London. Do you know what I mean? For thousands of years, I'm going to be there. It's like that is because I, I had that vision that I could do something. I went out and I did it. And that's what 
I generally want to show kids is that it doesn't matter where I think the way that me and Michael work perfectly is the fact that he's an actor. He's, he's good at what he does. He's proved what he can do. I'm the other part. Do you know I mean, I'm the bit that most actors don't really get. Like, I'm that live coaching bit. I'm that bit that keeps you grounded. I'm that bit that gives you the focus, that gives you that energy to that fire to go and do that kind of thing. That's where, because he's come from acting where there was a path to kind of go to. There was no path for me. I broke into an industry that didn't, that didn't exist for me. Do you know what I mean? I was going to TV meetings and saying, I want to be on TV doing this. And they're like, you're just a tattooist. Like, why would we put you on TV? Like, you're just a tattooist. And now they're all wanting me to go on TV. Do you know what I mean? So it's, it's about breaking new ground and don't limiting yourself. That, that's what I really want to kind of do. Do you think there's something to be said for telling young kids when they're, when they're at school at like 14, 15, and I know a lot of kids, well, most kids, I, know, I assume you two lads are the same, because I was the same, I had no clue what, what they wanted to do, but to allow them to be creative and not pigeonhole them into going, right, do you want to be an engineer? Because that's the thing in Derby, isn't it? Do you want to go work at Royce's or do you want to work at Bombardier? Do you think there's something to be said for sitting kids down and going, look, if you want to do something, you can be creative, like you can achieve whatever you want to achieve? Yeah, I, I think definitely we need to help kids to be creative. I think the biggest problem is when I go in schools and I've, I spend, I spent six months in Pingle school in Swaddingco, which is the school that kicked me out and said I'd never amount to anything. And I spent, I went there every week and spent um, like a full day with a load of kids. And you could see the fire starting to light in their eyes. They'd gone from not wanting to job at all, do you know what I mean? To within two, three weeks of being around you, wanting to do stuff, they wanted to get involved. I was even getting some parents phoning me saying, well, I don't know what the hell you've done with them, but they're talking about you nonstop and they really want to get involved. But then you get the poorer kids that will come back and they'll say, well, my dad says you're just a fucking idiot and you don't know what you're talking about. Do you know what I mean? And that's, it's the parenting. It's not a case of like, eat. I don't believe that anybody wants to live in poverty and wants to sell drugs and risk getting knives in this day and age on a daily basis. They're doing it because they feel that's the only way that they can be successful or make money is, is how they think they're going to do it. Well, I've worked in prisons and they're not, it doesn't work that way. You either get stabbed and murdered, you get stabbed and go to prison. Do you know what I mean? You end up in poverty and you're always having to watch your back. That's the reality of it. But grime music makes it into a glamorous thing and it's not. Um, well, I think they need to hear a little bit more of the reality of how dark that life is and how it ends. It doesn't end well. There's no positive end for that life. The only way of being positive is by stop doing it and start doing the right thing, like we did, and that, that's how you become successful. You mentioned about giving something back, Michael. Um, was you a bit of a tearaway, would that be fair to say, when you was a, was you a bit younger? Would, without Television Workshop, could you maybe taken a, a different path? I, most definitely. I, I mean, even during the... I mean, I'd be... Yeah, if I didn't have a good mum and I didn't have these sort of vents, like the... the the Chelsea youth players, Derby playhouse youth, and the and the workshop. I, I I know for a fact that. I mean, I always thought I'd make it, but maybe not necessarily in acting. I always thought I'd be a, a, a fucking wronging. I just thought when I read Kev's um, script, there was a line in it where one of the kids is saying, um, "I'm gonna get a, uh, I'm gonna get a council flat. I'm gonna be on the sick, and I'm gonna sell drugs." And I thought that was gonna be me. I thought that's the way I was gonna. That was my mind frame at 13, and I did that. I spoke to a friend the other night on the phone and he was even saying that our childhood was just drugs and general violence. And it was, it was just, it was part of life. And I, I always knew that. And I escaped to London when I was 19 to try and get away from that life. But I suppose in the, in the negativity, with the negative Eddie had, I think I always found the shit anyway. And it's, it's, it sort of coincided with my acting in the early years. I thought that the fucking stupid decisions I was making were still running parallel with, with, with jobs that I was getting and, I mean, I, I was speaking the other day and I, 
I got stabbed in, in Sinfin when I was probably 19 on the way back through to Derby. But I had three jobs on the go. I was working on Casualty, I was working on a thing called Paradox, and I, I was working on a, um, a thing called Married Single Other, all at the same time. And I got stabbed in the head and hit with a dog chain because I, I was having a fight. And it was just that sort of fucking life that was always around. And unless I had, well, luckily for me, I did have good people around me, such as decent friends and a good mum. Mm. But I think if I'd not sort of knocked myself into some sort of sense and, and focused on, on my um, career, I'd, I'd have been fucked, I'd have been dead, I'd have been in jail or, or whatever. And yeah, so I, I, yeah, I think as, as a kid, I was a little, a little fucker, to say the least, yeah. <laughs> What was your first real breakthrough then? Was it This Is England, like, yeah. to, to get your career going? How did that come about then? Was it a case of Shane coming down and lo- looking at, at the workshop and going, oh, like, or little auditions? Because we've had a few on, obviously, friends, Chanel, and um, yeah. uh, I spoke to Jack about it. He's not been on the podcast yet because he's a hard man to track down, any. But um, he's always said, like, there was something special there, wasn't there, when, when Shane came in? Was it a case of Shane coming in and picking you out? Yeah, I think, like I said, with, with a lot of directors, they knew that the workshop was full of kids who weren't necessarily the middle class um, trained actors, so yeah, it, it was a matter of we didn't really as well. I think a lot of a lot of the people from the workshop didn't really put these people in high regard. They didn't think of a director as somebody who was um, a, a, a path out. They just sort of see a bloke coming in while we were having fun. We always had a laugh at workshop. It was just a, a great thing to be a part of. Like-minded people. It was therapy. It was it was somewhere you go. You'd have a laugh with like-minded people. You'd do a lot of hard work. It gave you a work ethic. And then people who come in and cast you, but they were they were just sort of second fiddle to what you were there for. And then I think I think casting um, directors and directors would just sort of come in and, and see that and just be wowed by the kids who just didn't really give a fuck about who they were for once and just wanted to do their acting. So yeah, I, I, yeah, I don't even know what the question was, Blake. Sorry, Doc. What did you say? How <laughs> did Shane first come about spotting oh, you? Right, yeah, yeah. Uh, so yeah, I think Shane had always used a lot of he, he always used workshop kids from from when I was there. I mean. Dead Man's Shoes and Romeo Brass, they were workshop kids. So, I mean, I'm sure he understood that he was going to get some decent folk for the, for the entirety of, of the workshop's existence. Yeah. I spoke to Nick Preston yesterday briefly, and um, he was excited that you was, you was coming on. I was having a chat with him, and he actually said, watching you in the film Shank and finding out that you were from Derby yeah. made him realise that someone from Derby is doing that, and that inspired, inspired him to be an actor and become an actor. And he's gone on to have it. Well, he's, he's a decent actor now, and he's got some, had some good roles, hasn't he? So yeah. is it nice that you're inspiring people? Because Nick was similar when he was growing up in Allenson. So yeah. is it nice that you're inspiring people? That's amazing, yeah. I mean, to be honest with you, I've, I know Nick well, and I've had a few sessions with Nick, and he never told me that, so... <laughs> he probably didn't want me to tell you actually, but yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah, no, I think I think it's fucking amazing. But I mean, if I can do that with, if I can do, if I can sort of be a, a, a if I can influence for the good in, in Derby now, then I, it, it made me feel brilliant as well. Of course, I, I want people to, I, I, yeah, I want people who, who had this sort of shite uh, around me when I was a kid. I want them to be able to, to know that that they can do something fun and and have a laugh. And if I can just orchestrate something like that with the help of Kev and do it locally, I th- I, yeah, I think that would be an amazing thing. What's the, what's the ultimate aim then? Have you got a goal in mind for what you, what you want to do within Derby? Have you got a plan set up? Yeah, I think like, the main thing we want to do is have a, our own production company, um, which is based in the Midlands. Um, it's about the Midlands, and every subject matter that we do is based in the Midlands, using Midlands people. So it's about making it a community kind of thing. It's like using my strengths, his strengths, bringing other people in. It's like we want... Like at the minute, what we want to do, we're trying to get like local companies to try help fund us. Do you know what I mean, to get it started, so we need to raise like ten grand 
to kind of create the pilot for this first thing, which will then go on to something bigger and obviously get made. Um, so it's stuff like that, like getting lo- local companies involved. But then it doesn't have to stop with them just helping with the funding. They can use their company to be involved in it. We want to use like local camera people, lo- local sound people, um, local actors, like everything that's, or everything is about the Midlands. There's nothing really like that. Like say Shane Meadows is on the outskirts of the Midlands and he's kind of done bits and it's just kind of stopped there. Like I really want to do documentary stuff. That's what I did for the BBC, I, the face of documentary for the BBC. So like that's my kind of thing where his is more the, the acting kind of stuff. Um, and I'm quite good at writing that kind of stuff. Do you know what I mean? So it, we kind of work really well. Like we're, at the minute, we're finding out where our strengths are and where our weaknesses are. But it's coming into something really good. Do you know what I mean? And it's like we did a, a recce last week of photos. And I mean, I mean last week we went out, uh, we, we did like this little interview a couple of weeks ago. And that has gone out. And obviously local people that are in gangs, crime, all that kind of life have now started to approach us and say, we actually want to do this. We don't want to live like this anymore. We want to be better. And they've invited us round to a house to see how they live in. And there's a chest full of knives, daggers, machetes. Um, then there's more on the wall. They've offered to take us to a cannabis farm that they've got. And it's just like, they're giving us this. Do you know what I mean? Like the police can't find this. Or when they do find it, they lock them up. And then they come out, then they do it again. It's like they're coming to us saying, we don't want to do this anymore. We'd rather do what you're doing and help and be involved with this. And you, you give us a hand. And we're saying, well, we'd love to do that. We'd love to help you. But it's like, we're kind of at a crossroads at the minute where we're creating big things and everything's going well. But we, need, we really do need to get a bit of funding in place so we can then take that next step. Do you know what I mean? Like, we want to get like the group of 20, 30 people in and start to give them, start to retrain them into thinking better. We need to find a premises um, where we could do the acting classes in and stuff like that. And it's like we're giving opportunities to people that are just, at the minute isn't there. Do you know what I mean? I mean, I've actually been approached by the police when they've seen some of the photos that, of stuff we've seen, saying that we, we would like to help you, we would like to do something. Um, it's just a case of finding out where and how. I was going to say um, how you've explained that. Would there be a case for working alongside the police with, with, the, with the scheme? Yeah, I mean, I'd love to. I mean, I've been working with the police for like two years. I've been, I go out on duty with them in Nottingham. Uh, I've been called out to shootings. I've seen knifings. Um, I've seen a lot of horrible things. I mean, but obviously nothing has ever been printed about it because it's, I'm not opposed to really talk too much about everything that's been gone on. Um, like prisons, I've worked in prisons with some, with famous murderers in prison. Do you know what I mean? It's like I worked in the, the first UK super prison in Suffolk. Um, and there's some really, really nasty people in there. And I've worked on a one-to-one with them. They stick me in a room and we sit and chat. And anything they say to me is private. Like, I don't have to repeat it to anyone. Um, so I've seen a lot of horrible things and I- I've seen how it all kind of pans out. And I think it all kind of works. I think everything I've done in the last two years is brilliant for what we're doing now. Do you know what I mean? It's like us going out to where we went last week is an education for me and for him, although we're both from that life. Do you know what I mean? But it's still an education in that modern day version of that now mm. and seeing how it is. And I find it sad. I find it really, really sad because every one of them, I mean, they were trying to like brag to us the other day about um, chanking someone, someone's car and driving down the road with a big dagger hanging out the back of the coat and stuff. And they thought that's what would impress us. Do you know what I mean? It's not. It's, it's like we want to, to retrain your mindset that that's not the right thing to do. Do you know what I mean? It's like acting that and doing that in that way is a great way of expressing that that dark side. But living it is just a sad thing and it never ends well. 
Well, it sounds to me, obviously I'm not an expert, um, I'm just a daft podcaster from Chad, but um, it sounds to me that like these people that haven't been shown the attention or told they can do things, that's their way of getting that attention and expressing themselves is it's kind of a fuck you, isn't it, to the world. Yeah. So if I'm not good enough... if, if if you think I'm a dickhead, I look like a dickhead. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's what it is. Like, when you look at... I mean, we walked through Swaz last week, and I look like a scummy child, and he looks like a scummy child. Do you know what I mean? And it's like, people were looking at us like we were shit, weren't they, as we were walking down the road. Do you know what I mean? Even the police, police were staring at us if we walked down the road. And it's like... That bloke come out of the shop, didn't he? Like, what are you up to? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so they're all looking at us like we're dodgy and stuff. But it's like, I'm in, a, I'm in the, one of the biggest museums in London, and he's like a, a massive actor. Do you know what I mean? It's just like... Stop it, Kev. <laughs> so it's like. It's, but you get judged. But we raise above it. Like, we're better than that. I mean, we know that. But the lad that hasn't had the success, the success that we've had wouldn't. They'd go, what the fuck are you looking at? Do you know what I mean? And they've hit a negative with a negative, which makes the bigger problem. And that just leads into loads of more problems. Um, that's why I loved it when the police brought me in and says, you get in the police car with us and come out with us. Do you know what I mean? It was brilliant. Because like, when I was on the streets with them, the chavs were behaving in a better way, like, round me. I was showing the police how to act with them in a different way. And this, this is what you get in prison as well. It's like, if every single person in that prison, if you treat them with respect, they'll treat you with respect. Then there's prison guards that are getting beat up every day in there. I walked in there, they loved me. Do you know what I mean? It's like, they wanted to sit in a room. I was talking to them about their issues, their problems, what's gone on with them, do you know what I mean? It's like, that's all they ever wanted, to be treated with respect. Mm. But your instinct, everyone's instinct, if you see one that looks a bit dodgy, you automatically think they are a little bit dodgy and you stay away from them. Do you know what I mean? So if they see that, that makes them feel like they've got to play that role. And it's just, it's about breaking that cycle. You want to try being a chavvy chad lad walking into a BBC office every morning no, and, say, no. and that's being judged. <laughs> Have you ever, Michael, going for yeah. jobs, obviously, I don't know too much about the acting world and going for auditions, but do you ever feel like, have you been judged before for being like a working class lad or, or maybe turned down for stuff or treated differently? Have you ever come across anything like that? I mean, yeah, there's a lot of times when, I, I don't know... I don't know directly, but I've always felt like that. Do you know what I mean? It was my, I think it was my sense of self-worth. And uh, in my head, I thought I've got the ability. And I did have a bit of a hang-up, I suppose. I thought, you ain't living my fucking life and it's going to be handed to you on a plate. If you, it doesn't matter to you. You can fucking go and be a pilot. You can go and be a fucking doctor. I ain't got that. This is all or nothing for me. I suppose I had that sort of mind frame. And it was more walking into the audition rooms and sort of, um, I'd be surrounded by, like, I suppose, middle-class um, people who spoke a lot different to how I did. And I, it was... I never really... I don't think I'd, I'd ever been... Um, I don't think I've ever been sort of... Well, not to my face anyway, judged in the audition rooms, but I suppose it's the sort of jobs that I was going for originally. They weren't the... I wasn't going for the uh, the toffs, as it were. I was going for the fucking chavs. But, I mean, at, at the time, it was, it was sound. I was getting some work and... Yeah, it's all about acting, isn't it? I can fucking pretend to be anything I want. When it when it does happen, or if you feel like it happens, does it bother you, or does it uh, have the effect it has on me, where I think I'll fucking show you? Then I actually quite, I don't know if I can say something, but I'll fuck it. I actually quite like it when people say I actually got told once in an office that I've got to work harder than everyone else because I'm um, I'm working class and I haven't got a journalism degree. I got told that by a manager, but I went away and just thought fucking show you who needs to do yeah, this in degree. So is that, what, is that the same, is it? You yeah. Use that fire in the right way? Yeah, I think uh, even at school it was the same. as uh, There was one teacher who, I mean, talking about people that helped me out, there was Mrs Urquit Hughes and Mr Holmes. There was a couple of teachers who had me back at school, but then a lot of them didn't. A lot of them thought I was a prick, and I did have that fire in my belly. Um, and it, again, there was, when, I, when I started doing the musicals and stuff, there was a couple of directors there that just they saw something in me and they, and they, were, and they were prepared to 
to help me out and it sort of spurred me on and I, I, I've always had a fire in my belly I've always thought yeah fuck you I'll do whatever it's sort of it has put me in good stead but then I suppose as well it's sort of um it fucks me up when I don't get the things that I want. Do you know what I'm saying? I'd be like, oh, fuck, I fucking worked hard and I had the fire in me belly and I should have got that fucking role. And I think, you know what I mean? It's, it's, there's a lot of fucking, especially in acting, there's a lot of a lot of thinking to do. And I do. I, I, I sometimes I get it completely fucking wrong. But yeah, it definitely gave me a fire in the belly, a fire in the belly, I think, to, in, the, in the early days to just fucking get out and, and prove everybody wrong. Talk about being judged for being like working class and looking like scumbags and stuff. And I'm not saying it does, but people with tattoos that are like you've got tattoos on the side of your head and the neck. Have you? Do you feel like you've ever been judged because of that? And people think well, he's got tattoos, so he must be a bit of a scumbag. Yeah, well, I actually did a documentary for BBC One um, about that actual subject, and we was having people in the street. We we actually got a guy who was heavily tattooed, and we got him asking the time to people. And there was women, old women that would come up to him and then they would walk down the street afterwards and, and talk to me. And I'd say, what did you think when you'd seen him? He said, to be honest, I didn't like it. It was disgusting. I don't know why you'd do that to your face. I don't know why. I don't want to see that. I don't want to be around that. So it was like, people do have a really strong view. And it's just, I mean, I got stopped by armed police in London um, when I walked past Downing Street. Apparently they, they followed me through Downing Street and I, I was going into Parliament is when I was changing laws in Parliament. And I had a Louis Vuitton backpack on. I had a hood up. Just hang on a minute. So I was about that. So I had like a Louis Vuitton backpack on. I had my hood up. And I was walking past. And I was waiting outside the Parliament. And this, um, it was a black fire series pulled up. And two guys got out in their guns, like low, like low down. And they pushed me to the wall. And I'm like, what the fuck are you doing? And, and then they kind of says, obviously, you've seen on camera what you're doing. I said, well, I'm going into Parliament. Which was the worst thing to fucking possibly say at that moment. Um, and then I had a show on Channel 5 at the time. And they were saying, oh, I'm changing laws and this, that, and the other. Um, and then one of them kind of clicked. I think he'd seen me on some show. Um, and it, it, it kind of calmed down then. It was all right. This is sorry, like, on the cameras, it come up that you look dodgy. Um, so we were following you, and that's why we did what we did. But it was like, I don't really care at the end of the day. I've chosen to cover, cover myself in tattoos. I've chosen to look the way that I've looked. Do you know what I mean? It's like, I've done that. No one else has done that. It's an instinct thing to instantly judge do you know what I mean? Like the first reaction when you look at someone, like in this documentary, we spoke to a professor and they were saying in there, like if you see a woman who's heavily tattooed, you automatically assume that she sleeps around, she drinks a lot and she's party lifestyle. Do you know what I mean? Where if you see a guy who's heavily tattooed, you imagine he's quite hard and quite menacing and that kind of thing. And you realize that you do. Like you don't look at a girl who's heavily tattooed and think, I bet she's like a librarian or something like that. Do you? you don't do it. You assume that she's quite common and she's quite party. Um, so I kind of agree with it. I never really thought about it in that way. Um, what, one of the interesting things that I got from it was what they said to me was it, it was the style of tattoo that you have. It will judge on how people judge you in like criminal offences. So if you had gang tattoos, like gang related kind of stuff all over you, you're more likely to go to prison um, for that offence than someone that's got like a Japanese sleeve, say. Mm. Um, because of the style of tattoo that you've got and the, the things that you've got. Where I'd never ever, I knew that there was judgment there and you would always get judged, but I never knew, I never thought about it in that way. Does that mean like the, the style of tattoo would have such an impact? Um, which was quite interesting, but there definitely is. I mean, I've had it for years, like my whole life I've had been judged for the way I look or what I do. Do you think there's been a change in attitudes recently? Because I know sleeves have become more popular, aren't they, over the last 10-15 years and over the last 20-25 years it has become more common for people to have. Do you think it has... Do you think it has changed over the last, last few years? Yeah, it's definitely got easier. I think now it's cooler to have tattoos. It's not like years ago when I first got into it in the early 90s, it was bikers, 
Like it was people like the lower classes had the, the crappy little toe. It was that kind of thing. Do you know what I mean? And I think nowadays everybody is getting them. Like your biggest pop stars, your music acts, your actors, everybody is covered in tattoos now. Do you know what I mean? It's like, um, I mean, I had a billionaire send me a picture the other day of a hand tattoo that he wanted and it was uh, Johnny Depp's tattoo. Do you know what I mean? So it's like, it's everywhere now. But there's definitely do still get judged. I think a lot of it is that, it's that culture. It's, it's the way you dress and things like that as well. I don't think a lot of it is to do with the skin, even like skin tones and stuff. I don't think a lot of it, you don't get judged by your skin tone. I think you get judged by the lifestyle. Like if you're wearing hoodies and you've got your hand around your bollocks all the time, do you know what I mean? You're going to be judged as some kind of chavvy lad, do you know what I mean? If you wear dress smart and you look well, you're not going to get judged in that way. Um, I, I like the fact that I don't fit in. I like the fact that people think I'm scumbags. I'm not. I've achieved great things. I've done amazing things that no one will ever do. Do you know what I mean? Or being able to do. I've helped a lot of people. I've changed lives. Do you know what I mean? So no matter what everyone thinks of me, I know I'm a good person and I know I've, I've, I've come from nothing and, and done great things. I like that confidence in me that I've done that. Mm. It's not an arrogance, it's a confidence. I think there's a difference between the two. Um, so anyone can judge me as much as they want. I loved it the other day when we was walking down the road and everyone was looking at us like it was a couple of toe rags. I find it really funny because they're the toe rags, not us. Do you know what I mean? It's just, I find it brilliant. The first project that you're working on that brought you brought you together, that's more, obviously, you've written towards it and, and you'll be on the production side. Is that a, an, a career move? Is that something you can see yourself doing during your career, going to like produce and write things? Uh, I think, to be honest with you, I'm, I, it's, always, it's not necessarily a career move. It's just something I've always been interested in anyway. Me, I, when I was... Um, I've got a lot of friends in London that I write with and we fuck about with and we just make shit up. And it's always just something that we've done, come close to produ- well, come close to making. Um, but th- then this, I came back to Derby for a little bit and the, and the script came my way. And I just thought, I'll just get stuck into this. Why, why the fuck not? You know what I mean? Get involved. I, I don't really know. It's something that I'm, I'm definitely taking seriously and something I'm, I'm focusing on. But I don't know about a career move. I, I, I enjoy acting. Acting's my, my thing that I enjoy. Well, I can't get you on the podcast. Thank you both for, for doing it, but I can't get you on without talking about your acting career. Could you pick a, a highlight from your career so far? Is there a moment that you think that really stands out? I'm, I'm proud of that. Like something you, like if I do it, I'd go and show my mum, mum, I did this at work today. Do you know what I mean? Like, I'd... There's lots of jobs that I'm, I'm fucking dead proud of, to be honest with you. There's a few jobs that, that I think, like, I don't know, there's a few jobs that I've thoroughly enjoyed and a few jobs that I've, I've disliked, I think. Um, but I think the one that when I when I thought fuck me I've done something big here is is when I when I did the uh, Once Upon a Time in Wonderland it was a spin-off show first and that was all very serious it was all um, trips to LA living in Vancouver staying there for two years and I, I just I, I just thought this is fucking mental just for the, the sort of like we were both saying that the life that that I came from to be then sort of living that life it was yeah just a, a, a massive surprise. Um, but that one, yeah, I suppose, is, is the one that ultimately I, I thoroughly enjoyed but then started to dislike towards the end. It sort of, I'd added off and wanted to do something a little bit, um, a bit different, I think. If there was ever a This Is England 2000, would you be first name down, do it? 100%. If that's the thing with Shane. Like, you know that if Shane's going to write something, it's going to be fucking banging and you know you're going to be part of something very special. Um, and all the people in This Is England, they're all my best mates. I speak to, I speak to a lot of them every day. I, I, like there's a very like, a funny fucking bond on that one. It's not, um, it's not like anything I've ever experienced in my life. Um, so yeah, I'd, 100% is, if, if Shane rings and said there's going to be a 2000, I'll be fucking there. 
100%. It always astounds me because I follow quite a few of you on Instagram and then I, I watched a video on YouTube the other day with you and uh, Shimmy when he came around your house during lockdown and, um, and yeah. the, the friendship, you can tell on like tagging each other in posts and like, there is a real like, like almost like an extended family thing, isn't it? Yeah, like Shimmy's one of my best mates. Tomo Turgus is one of, I speak to Tomo every day on, on FaceTime. But yeah, we're all just really fucking close. Like that's how it is. I think Shane knows that though, you know what I mean? And, uh, there's, there's definitely a special thing that happens on these sets. It's fucking mental. Like, sometimes it's crazy, but it's just a bunch of best mates getting together and doing a bit of fucking acting. Yeah, it's, it's amazing. I lo- yeah, Shimmy, I love him to death. Yeah. Coming to the end now, if people want to get involved, interested in what you're doing, want to get in touch, how can they, how can they find out what you're doing? Um, just look at us on social media, just type of names in, it'll all come up. Um, drop us a DM. Like, any, anybody that wants to get involved, stuff like that. Like, anyone that's helped with funding, um... Like we've got a lot of big things all ready to kind of start and we've got loads of kids that want to do it. We've just got a few little dots that we've got to fill in before we can start the full impact of what we want to do. Yeah. Just finally, one piece of advice. Any young Derby lad, girl uh, that's a bit lost, wants to do a bit of acting, wants to get into it, what's the one piece of advice you give to a youngster from your experience? I think, especially with acting, anybody can do it at any fucking time. There's no age limit on it. So if you want to do it, just get fucking involved. Just, just start fucking... I don't know about now because of all this lockdown shite, but there's so many things available anyway. Like not necessarily um, the sort of stuff that me and me and Kev are talking about, but there is th- there is avenues and routes that you can go to. You just got to fucking put the time in and yeah, just enjoy yourself. I think that's what it. That's what acting was for me. It was a fucking. It was something that when I first started, I enjoyed. I didn't. I didn't see it as a as a career. I just saw it as a as something I could do to get off the fucking street. Well, my mum actually thought get him get him off the fucking street and. As the time progressed, I just enjoyed it more and more and more, and then the opportunities came. Well, thank you very much for your time. It's been brilliant, and hopefully, we'll uh, once it all gets all gets cracking off, we'll come and have a catch up and, and see what's cracking off. Nice one, yeah. Mate. Thank you very much for having us, mate. Really enjoyed this one. <laughs> it's been a nice one, hasn't it? <laughs> 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 <laughs>